Hello and welcome to Core Truth, the podcast show, where we will discover the core truth that controls our experience of life. I'm your host, Mark Follett, and together with my friend, mentor, and author of the book, The Truth of Love and Fear, Rudy Ecker, we will peel back the outer layers of consciousness in order to understand and realize the nature of our perceptions and the beliefs that control the experience of our lives. We will uncover the true nature of consciousness, what drives our personal actions, behavior, and feelings in life, and what really motivates mankind. So we welcome you to join us on a journey of self-discovery, self-realization, and self-awareness to give you a new insight into who you believe you are. This is Core Truth, where we discuss the philosophy of core belief therapy created by Rudy Eckhart. I'm your show host, Mark Follett, and today we're going to discuss the illusion of control. Now, we've spoken just very briefly on this, Rudy, and you wanted to discuss the difference between the illusion of control and the reality of control today. So this is quite a, an interesting topic, and I think you've actually written some material for um, for your books on this topic, so you're probably very knowledgeable, I'm sure, as you always are. How are you today? I'm good today. Welcome, everybody. Um, yeah, control. It's um, to be in control and to have control uh, is something that has become very important uh, to a lot of people. Um, and then there's, of course, um, the question comes up, what is real control and can you have control over your life where you don't really have control over the elements that exist in the world and are literally outside of your control. So what does real control actually constitute and how are all the what are the illusionary ways that you can perceive or convince yourself that you are in control? Mm. And so and so we all know know about controlling people. We all, we've all met them. People are who are overly controlling, you mean, yeah. Yeah, who want everything their way. Yeah. And uh, it's, everything has to go according to their standards and values. Uh, instead of saying standards and values, you should read fear, <laughs> right? So according to their fears and insecurities rather than standards and values. Um, people who want everything their way because they cannot deal with change. So see, these are some of the elements we've talked about before and, and are in other podcasts, but they come together when you talk about control. Because when we're living our life and we go about our day-to-day business, who and what is really in control of how our day turns out, if you like, and how our life turns out? I think a lot of people would feel like the ball in the pinball machine, that someone else is shooting them and then they just get buffeted around in the day and they end up in the day and things have happened to them and they feel like, okay, now I've gone down the chute and gone back to sleep. I'm going to pop up the next day in the pinball machine again and someone's going to bumper me around inside the machine all day and I fall at the bottom again. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that, um, that how a lot of people experience their life to one level or another, you know. Um, most people will say, if you ask them, do you have control over your life, they will immediately split it down and say, there are things I have control over and things I don't, right? Um, I want to talk about this more in an absolute sense. Um, look, if you pick up something, you drop it on the floor, you just exercise control over it. And I, on a, on a, on a physical level, it's quite obvious how you exercise control. On an emotional level, it becomes obscure because we often don't understand 
um, how we arrive in situations over which we have no control and we don't understand um, how we can be in control and the question is really that comes out of that can you ever be in total control of your life? I think this topic um, one of the key questions that I have that I'd like to get out of the discussion today is is there any conflict between you create your own reality and the, the idea of there being external influences over your life. I'd like to just see how we, how we, from you, how that discussion plays out. Like, are there external forces over your life, governments and energetics or whatever it is that have some influence over what happens to you, or are you fully the creator of your own reality? That's kind of the challenge in this episode, I think, is to answer that question. I mean, to see if those things can coexist. Yeah. Um, hmm. It's, it's really a big thing when you start looking at it that way because um, our reality, as you call it, right, and if we exclude physical reality out of that, right, to, to a large extent, and we look at just at the emotional reality of life, then it means that our emotional reality of life is shared with every other inhabitant on this planet, mm. okay? So once that is the case, if all of us are creators of our own reality, which you're not the only one, obviously, then there has to be something going on that, um, uh, that is a dynamic that we collectively create. Mm. Okay? So we become like, a co, like co-inhabitants, co-creators of... of, of we are co-creators. Mm. We, are, we are not just co-creators with other human beings. We were co-creators with everything that is on this planet, um, with, with animals, with plants, with, with what's in the sea, um, and even more than that. If we just stick to the human aspect of it, to the human consciousness part of it, then as a collective, as a whole human race inhabiting the whole planet, we are creating, and we are creating the life that we have, but of course, when you break that down, you can go break it down in countries, then each country has a particular mentality. And you could almost treat a country like a person with certain characteristics, and that would be their collective uh, consciousness. Like their personality, almost. Almost their personality. And we characterize the French as being particular, and the Dutch, and the Germans, and the Americans as having particular personalities. Mm. But then we break that down further within one of these countries or one of these collectives. And then you can break it down to different levels. And you can keep on breaking it down until we come to you. And then you are there, the individual, not only creating your own reality, but also being part of that collective. Mm. Now, whatever the, um, whatever your particular state of mind may be, may not correspond to the dominant part of the collective. And therefore, your life experience, because of the kind of mindset that you have, may feel as if you don't have any control over your life because the dominant part of the collective doesn't correspond with your needs and expectations. And so, in that respect, we need to temper our, our idea of what control is because you are in control, but in a way that you would have not imagined. Control does not come 
as is the common and popular idea from controlling the world, from controlling others, from controlling the behavior, attitude, responses and reactions that other people have of you and to you. Yeah? And so it doesn't come from that. It doesn't come from being in a dominant position or having status. That is an illusionary control. Having influence. Or having influence through some vicarious process, mm. right? Um, none of these things truly represent control in your life. And none of these things really are also responsible in a direct way for your experience. So then we come back to the inner self. What is it within you that would give you uh, a real sense of control over your life? And to understand that, you need to go back to some of our earlier sessions where we talked about belief systems. And those of you that haven't listened to that session, I suggest that you find some time and have a listen to that as well. But when we talk about belief system, we talk about um, a concept now. A belief is like a structure that we hold in our mind, an emotional structure that has very specific rules. And those specific rules then determine how you see the world, how you behave in the world, how you act in the world, how you perceive everything that happens in the world. It becomes like, and I likened it in the, in the, in the last, in that particular session, I likened it to the lens on the camera. If you change the lens on the camera and you take a picture, it will look totally different because the lens will determine how the landscape you're photographing will be seen. Will be perceived. In, in, if you turn it back to consciousness, it's, it's how your beliefs make you, or how your beliefs influence how you perceive the world. Right. Now, if you have beliefs that are founded in unconditional love, acceptance and trust as their base values because they represent the essence of your spirit, spirit and it's what you were born with and what you expected, right? then that will be the filter through which you will see the world with the greatest clarity. And it actually isn't even a filter. It's because it will un- actually... It's, a, it's almost like being in the world in an unfiltered way and seeing the true reality of everything that is. If you were to be in that unconditional state. However, if you, if you were raised with parents who had fears, and I would suggest that everyone has parents who have fears... Of whatever, on whatever level, of whatever kind. And you have taken on those fears because that would be inevitable. Then you would um, see the world through a distorted filter because the filter would be distorted by fear. And you would see a world not as it really is, but as the filter, the fear, the belief that you hold will um, want you to believe the world is. So once you start seeing the world through a fear, then you see the world in a different way. Now, beliefs are more than just fears. Beliefs are structures, emotional, mental structures that contain intent. And that's where it all comes. It's all where it begins and finishes is with intent. The intent is extremely powerful force. With intent, we create and manifest. With intent, we make things happen. Intent shapes the world in all of its different ways. 
Everything on this planet and everything within us has intent. And so the intent within a belief system becomes an extremely powerful force in creating your reality. Is that what propels and powers belief systems into creating the reality? It does. Yeah. Yeah. The, the intent the intent to for it to become physical is what brings it into the physical world. To, to become a, a physical emotional experience, if you like. Um, intent is the um, lens, if you like, that gives focus to the expression of your creativity and your life force. It, it creates a particular form, if you like, which wants to find reality. And if that is a, um, a positive form, you get a positive experience and a positive reaction, if you like, from reality. And if it's based on fear, you will get a negative response and a negative reaction from reality. So if you live life with fear, then you basically have no control over your life because fear controls your life. Mm. If you live life in the unconditional acceptance of yourself, unconditional self-love, self-trust, self-belief, then you will create life with trust, self-belief and positivity and therefore create positive experiences because it has positive intent. Now, a positive belief system will, will also attract positive events and positive people in your life who are similarly focused. So you're saying that the, the intents that you have um, seek to connect with the intents that other people have. Of like intents. Of like intent, yes. Yeah, like intents. Like attract like in terms of intent. Yeah. yeah. And so fear-based intents will attract fear-based personalities. Hmm. That's why I've said in other podcasts that our fear belief systems, fear-based belief systems, attract people in your life who have complementary fear-based belief systems because that's the intent of your belief, whether you like it or not. (laughs) As long as you hang on to fear, you will not be in control. Fear will control it for you. Fear will make you needy, then neediness is in control. Fear will want you to make a void and so your avoidance behavior is in control. Fear will, will make you um, stop making commitments. And so that is in control. <laughs> so fear will be in control of your life. And because fear is the strongest intent by which you live. So if you want to be truly in control of your life, you need to get rid of your fears. Because um, without the how could I say it? Without the absence, sounds a bit odd. Um, but in the absence of your fears, you will gravitate towards being as you're meant to be in the world and be your authentic self and develop confidence and trust in yourself and be positive in the expression of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas and beliefs because you have positive beliefs supporting it and therefore will create positive outcomes. That doesn't mean you will never fail. It just means that it won't look like failure. (laughs) Do you understand? It will look like a learning experience, which is what it should be in the first place. It's important to understand that um, whether events are positive or negative is really down to the perception of 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 the person who's involved in that. And that's what can be changed. Well, that's why if you release your own fears, then your perception of events will change. 
even if the events themselves are the same, you actually perceive them differently. You might interact with somebody and if you have certain fears, you will come away from that interaction believing something that just isn't true. Whereas if you, you have the same interaction with someone the next day, say you, you, you've done some work with you and you've removed one of your fears and then next week you have that same interaction, you actually perceive it differently and you see it as a positive or a learning experience. Or Look, in, in, in the work that we do, this, it, this happens all the time. Like I will get somebody to, to, um, who comes to me with issues related to um, holding other people accountable and responsible because there's a fear that um, he's learned in childhood that his parents resented and resisted being accountable and responsible because of their fears and insecurities. So he could never, he could never talk about anything with his parents with any clarity because they were never to blame, never responsible, never accountable, and he could never go there. In fact, you know, they would transfer the risk of anything to him, right? So, in that case, I've only just recently worked with him, so, but the, the, the concept here is, is was to get rid of the fears related to holding others accountable. So, having got rid of those fears, I, I will expect, and it will happen, that he will find it easy to talk to other people where there is a need to hold them accountable and responsible for um, for their behaviour. Now, the interesting part here is, of course, that if you work in, a, in an environment, right, uh, that you would have attracted that person in the first place. So what I'm saying is this. It's like before, when he was not capable or resentful or reticent in holding people accountable, right, he would have attracted people who don't want to be held accountable, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not working, right? That gives dissatisfactory results mm -hmm. because he has no influence or control over that person, obviously, and he feels it, right? And he doesn't want to exercise any level of control in terms of responsibility and accountability because of the fears that he's learned to accept. And so without the fear he will now be capable of holding that person accountable. And that person then will be confronted with their fear of being held accountable. So they can either do something about that or they can get upset and say, why is he not trusting me? Why can't he leave me alone? Um, I don't want to have to explain myself. I don't have to justify myself. I, don't, I want to be free and do what I want, when I want, whenever I want without any accountability at all to anyone. And so that person will then be confronted by those, by those fears that they carry. Now, this, this kind of interaction or confrontation, if you like, doesn't have to be at all aggressive or doesn't have to be uh, a process of blame or accusation. Uh, it can be done in a, in a number of different ways. But the point of it here is, is that no matter which way it turns out, or which way it is done, the person who didn't want to be held accountable will internally be confronted with those fears and insecurities. Hmm. So it's it's interesting, actually, interesting point. When when you do work with your clients, um, you often and this is something you said to me when I started work with you is that it's 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 a very good idea to if you're in a relationship with 
some of the opposite, like, you know, we're partner relationships and my wife and I came to see you together. But that's a very good idea because what's going to happen then is one if one person kind of changes some of their beliefs and then their negative and fear-based intents have attracted them to each other and one person changes, then the other person is going to be very confronted with those changes because they're not, the intents no longer match. That's right. And yeah. and it it's, it's, would be wise for both of them to seek the same therapy from the same practitioner who knows what's going on and he knows the dynamic and can help her through her stuff, which will have her reasons and causes, particular to her family mm-hmm. and background, but will nevertheless be a dynamic between the two of them, right? And it creates, creates greater clarity in the, in mm-hmm. the sessions. Yeah, yeah? I, I, I'm just interested in that scenario then where someone's in a you know, sort of in a work sense, have other people that they interact with in a work relationship um, that they've built up um, mm-hmm. over a time. Is that likely to? I doesn't you know, always is that likely to play out. You know. Yeah, well, it can work out in many different ways. To <laughs> I'll be honest, with you. I can tell you a few stories about that. I remember a girl coming to me who had extreme difficulties with her boss, who was seen by the whole company as being very abusive. Um, yeah, in many different ways. Um, rude, etc., etc., right? And he had a reputation for doing so. Um, so she, she found it hard to cope with him. And so I worked with her to disconnect her from her victim mentality related to that because he was dominating, controlling, and abusive. So she became a more powerful person. And as a result, he started to treat her differently which doesn't always happen, mm. right? But in this case, it did. He started to treat her differently to the rest of the staff. And uh, she found she had no longer had an issue with him because she had changed. Mm. But of course, her perception that she had, she was treated differently, was, a mu- was as much a product of some change in him as well as her being totally different, mm. right? So she perceived the whole situation from, not so much from a victim perspective, but from a powerlessness Perspective. So he, he might have said the same thing, similar things, similar perhaps. things perhaps, but she just didn't perceive them as yeah. as a as a controlling statement. Or at the same time, he didn't see her as being weak and vulnerable, and had more respect for her, mm. and then took a different tone with her. Right. Uh, in the end, um, regardless of her changes, um, he was fired because of the number of complaints against him. <laughs> And then she got a different boss. And he was, he was the nicest guy she's ever worked for. And for all I know, she's still there. Mm. Um, so this is what you're talking about then, when you're talking about... You're creating having, your own reality. Creating your own reality, having some control over your life, is if you, if you change who you are in the world and change what you believe, you, you basically remove those fear-based lenses, then the love-based intent, the, the love, acceptance, and trust-based intent can then surface, surface, yeah. and it becomes your your intent of that love-based love-based intent pushes out into the world and interacts with other people, and then you create almost a bubble around yourself that filters out through all the people you yeah. interact with. Yeah, this is definitely how it works, and so so true control, really being in control of your life, comes from being in a space where there is no fear. So the absence of fear. And we, we've spoken about it frequently enough now to know that we need to release our fears in order to become self-loving, self-accepting individuals. That you can't 
learn to love and accept yourself without releasing your fears. You need to release your fears. It, 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 is, um, it is contradictory to think that you can love yourself and still walk around with fears. It is just a, almost a ridiculous notion <laughs> because it's contradictory. Mm. Um, because the a fear is nothing but the absence of unconditional love. So if that's the case, then the absence of unconditional love can only be taken care of by releasing your fear. And then it's no longer absent. Do you understand? And so love can then be present and can be part of your life. And it becomes the engine room, the, the intent, the driver behind everything that you do then. Yeah, you, you can be a force to be reckoned with in ways that is not intimidating, it's not overpowering. And because it is like once you are within the power of your own being, you realize that the greatest pleasure in life is to empower others to be themselves rather than to be like you. Like a controlling person has the need for others to be subjugated to his, to his whim, to his beliefs, to his ideas, to his control. And uh, a truly powerful person will empower other people and give them um, the power to conduct their own life, if you like, with the trust that they will... Uh, if it was in a work environment, that they will use that power to do the best for the company they're working for. Um, that's how you create a powerful company. That's how you create a powerful organization. Uh, I know we're digressing by saying that, but that's how, you, by being a powerful person, you empower other people. You don't rely on the weaknesses and insecurities of others to be in control. And unfortunately, what happens when you get egocentric people in control, which is you know, when we're talking about control here. And they will always finish up hiring people which will subjugate themselves to them and be subservient and non-confrontational and um, passive rather than aggressive uh, in order that they can be the boss and be in control because that's the idea of being in control. So the idea of control is by controlling others. The reality is you can never be in control of others in the real sense. And you can never be in control of the world because the world will never subjugate itself to you. So the only real control that you have is through the power of your positive beliefs, through the power of love, through the power of self-acceptance and self-trust. That's the only way you will have the life that you want. And if you want to change the world, then you need to start right there because you are part of that collective. And... The power of a positive person is hundred times that of a fearful person. Mm. Like I'm imagining all these these sort of little bubbles of of uh, people that aren't living in fear anymore that are basically driving their intent out into the world. They'd be touching so many lives in the people that they connect with. You just need to think about how many people you know. Yeah. Uh, you'd be touching the lives of everybody you come into contact with. Well, you know, a truly a, a, a truly aware person would always hold other people accountable without blame or accusation uh, and um, will cause them to look at themselves rather than look to blame others. And that alone is a truly powerful way for other people to, to start thinking about change and to start thinking about uh, self-responsibility because it all comes down to being responsible for your own life. It seems like um, blame is almost the opposite 
of control because as soon as you start blaming other people for you something, give up your power you give up your power and you give up any control you have over yeah. the situation because you yeah. say well that's the that's the fault of the bad government we've got in place that's the fault of my and, and my boss is too controlling and therefore he's making my life hell or as soon as you start Blame. blaming then you lose you it. make yourself the victim and as soon as you make yourself the victim you're a powerless person and as soon as you become a powerless person then you're subject to your fears and insecurities. And mm. it's, it's... And then you have no control at all, really. Do you? Well, you, you give up control. Mm. And if you then complain about having no control, then be sure that you're responsible for giving it up yourself. Mm. Control only comes with self-responsibility. So in a kind of a way, self... To be a, to be a person in control of your life requires you to be a self-responsible person. Mm. Yeah? And, yeah, this is something that I see lacking in this world a lot. Self-responsibility, self-accountability, um, and self-control. Yeah, with the absence of the blame, because I think a lot of people spend a lot of their time blaming other people for why things are going Yeah, we're not talking about self-blame here. Yeah, we're talking about self-responsibility self is different to self-blame. Yeah, yeah, which I think very common is self-blame. Oh, sorry, is not, not self-blame, but very common in the world that I, you know, the way I experience it, I see people that basically blame other people for when things yeah. go wrong. But it's the same way if you live in guilt, you also give up power mm. because you make yourself constantly responsible. And then in your action or behavior to avoid guilt, you avoid making decisions, you avoid making commitments, you avoid um, um, being accountable and responsible. Uh, and, so, and you're back in the same cycle. So whether you have guilt, which is self-blame, or you blame outside, it's the same result. The mm. outcome's the same. It just looks different. One of the things that well, I don't know if we've spoken a lot about on the show yet, but um, one thing that you and I have spoken about is that often, or very, very regularly actually, these fear-based lenses that we have contradict each other. So we have different fears, and when you put them all in a line, it basically they contradict each other and end up with someone that has contradictory negative beliefs. And I can imagine that that's probably the reason why these, you know, going back to my pinball analogy, someone feels like they're fired into a pinball machine and getting bounced from one thing to the other and back and around and they don't have any control over their life because there's these contradictory fears. One's sending them in the pinball analogy, one's sending them upwards, one's sending them downwards, right. one's sending them sideways and then they fall at the bottom, not feeling like they've had any real influence over their, over their day. And um, yeah, I just wanted to comment on whether, you know, how those sort of contradictory fears actually make someone feel like they're probably getting pulled in several directions rather than yeah. having a, a control over what well, they're actually doing. you know, it's, it's probably the easiest way to explain it, and it, it, it naturally doesn't cover all situations, but just to give a level of clarity to the explanation and not muddy the waters, is if you have a aggressively behaving father and a passively behaving mother or vice versa, right, and, you, and whether you're a boy or a girl in relation to who you align yourself with, Subconsciously, so if you're a girl, you align yourself emotionally with your mother. If you're a boy, with your father, um, you can come away with beliefs that um, have to do with the mother in order not to be guilty. To say if she's uh, weak, vulnerable, and um, uh, cannot cope, right? You come away with beliefs and behaviours connected to those beliefs 
that makes you fearful of, um, you know, putting a, uh, having expectations and needs of your mother because she can't cope. And then at the same time, you have a father who's uh, aggressively demanding and controlling and you come away with the idea that um, the only way I will have control over my life is by, by being just like my father, by being aggressively controlling and, and, and um, um, uh, pushing my way through. So you have this contradiction. So when you're with somebody who is a victim like your mother, you behave in one way, and when you're in a competitive environment, you'll behave the aggressive, confrontational way, you know? This is often, um, you see this in girls. Um, not all girls turn out passive and compliant and fearful like their mothers. Uh, there's always a large portion of girls who uh, emulate an aggressive father in order not to be like the mother, in order to avoid being powerless and helpless in the world, and adopt aggressive, uh, dominating, controlling behaviours uh, and attitudes in order not to have the life their mother had. And um, that brings up its own challenges and problems. Uh, the, on the outside, these women can appear to be very successful. Um, they look like go-getters and strong and powerful individuals, but they often have big issues in relationships. Um, they have difficulty um, being intimate emotionally uh, and emotionally expressive and open. Um, so the, because it looks like them, if they do that, that they will be weak and vulnerable. And that, that's what their mother was in there, because their mother might, be, might have been very emotional and very vulnerable in that way. And they don't want to be like that. So they have these contradictory beliefs. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are people, they are human consciousness, and they, they're feminine and they want a male partner, you know. And there's men that exactly do something very similar that actually have a mother who is abused by the father, and so they take the mother's sides and are protective of her, and they suppress their masculinity and their innate masculine aggression and strength, and um, are fearful of expressing it for fear that they will hurt um, their mother or women, you know, in general, and uh, um, have difficulty to, showing, to show what they really feel and uh, want and need for fear that it will be an imposition and a burden on their partner and so on. They fall in a very similar category and they have contradictory beliefs, if mm. you like, because part of them wants to be vulnerable and strong and the other part of them wants to be the male and, 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 and um, uh, you know, competitive and mm. prove themselves and they struggle because they're men and so they've finish up in male environments, in male workplaces, and then cannot, you know, meet, live up to the expectations that are there. Mm. So you're saying people could sort of go through the day and they, they're, they're one, they sort of have to be one way at work to fit in and then they have to be a different way at home. And they, 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 yeah, it can even be with different people. Or even, yeah, with, with their With different friend, people, they different feel they need to behave a different even. way. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an aspect of pleasing in that. Mm. There's a pleasing aspect in that, um, or there's a, or it can be totally opposite, and it can be totally. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying this to confuse everybody, but they are contradictory beliefs. That somebody is on the one hand uh, appears very loving and affectionate, but is actually very stubborn and controlling, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
but gives the impression that they're really uh, caring and, you know, as long as everything is going their way. Mm. But the moment it doesn't, then the person who interrupts the flow, who is a disruptor, as is a popular term these days, um, uh, gets to be excluded and dismissed and, you know, rejected because they don't want disruptors. These are people that don't want to be held accountable and responsible for their behaviour. Difficult characters. Um, not the ones you will see quite often, mm. you know, because they're in control and they blame everybody else. So, mm. you know. I, th- I think you might have said before, sometimes people that uh, people who have negative beliefs, have fears, they don't see them as negative because they feel like they're getting a, a great outcome. Um, like they might be getting what they think they want, which is avoiding, uh, di- avoiding responsibility fear. and everyone yeah. does what I want yeah. um, and I don't have to take any responsibility or blame for anything. I think it's great, so there's no problem. Yeah, but they, they have to sincere belief that their fears will protect them. Mm. Mm. And then in that case, your fear becomes like, uh, <laughs> becomes your friend, although that friend is deluding you and is misleading you and um, is actually trapping you into its jail because fear will always restrict you and confine you. We talked a bit about control, obviously. It becomes the controlling force, doesn't it? Yeah, and it controls you. Mm. You think you have control over your life, but fear controls you. You're under the illusion that fear will make you safe, but it doesn't. It just contains you. (laughs) It makes you small. It makes you little. It reduces the range of your life and your life experiences. It makes your life restricted um, and a very unhappy one. And so fear does nothing for you. There's nothing to be positive, said to be positive about fear. Nothing, nothing at all. Um, so there's no justification for living in fear other than people who trust in their fear and believe in their fear because they think it will save them from something. And if there's something they will be saved of is only an illusion because fear made them believe that it existed. Mm, I think our listeners are going to need some time to uh, <laughs> to get their mind around this episode. It's been quite it's been quite in depth. Um, did you want to uh, did you want to expand any of those concepts, Rudy, or have you have you sort of covered what you wanted to talk about? Uh, I think I think um, I think I'm happy to hear from people who think that they have a something related to fear that falls outside this discussion. Mm. Maybe they can email you or me, and um, uh, I'm happy to look at fear in any kind of form because fear is at the basis of everything that we talk about, in essence. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear other ideas. And if there is a, um, what do you call it, if, if many people have a similar, similar issue... Similar like questions. Similar questions, then we'll, we'll definitely make a podcast about them. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, and I think you've answered my question quite well, actually, which, was, which I posed at the start of the episode, um, which was how can you have control and how can you um, be the creator of your own reality when there are so many external forces over mm-hmm. which it would seem you have no control, but you have actually been able to explain how that all gets distilled down at the, to, at, you. to you it's like a, like a funnel you come down the funnel from the world to the country to the state to your group of friends to you yeah and then ultimately it goes the other way as well 
Mm. So once you are in a positive state, then your positive influence is part of the collective. Goes back up the up it goes the, back up, uh, the, up funnel, the funnel, if you like. Mm. Yeah, and that 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 is something worthy of truly embracing and understanding because you are not a powerless person in this world. You're far more powerful than what you think. Your influence is greater than what you believe. You've 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 grown up in a world where fear dominates, fears of all kinds, and all these different fears have created the world that we live in. It's, it's created armies, it's created wars, but it also created particular styles of economic structure, even religions, uh, most of which are based on some kind of fear. Um, once fear goes out of the equation, the world literally will become a different place. Mm, mm. I think we're all probably looking forward to that, uh, well, that outcome. If you want the outcome for your children, because it won't happen overnight, then you need to start with you. Mm. All right. Well, thank you again, Rudy, for your time. And uh, we'll catch up with our listeners on the next episode. Absolutely my pleasure. I'll see you all soon. 